I'm Callie Crossley, and this is Under the Radar with Callie Crossley. And now for the part of the show we call Lanyap. That's Creole for something extra. What's my problem? That's the Mellow Fellows featuring Big Twist, who's rhapsodizing about his love for barbecue. Now, you may know that American barbecue has four distinctive styles created in Memphis, Texas, Carolina, and Kansas City. I hail from Memphis, where as far as I am concerned, Memphis is the distinctive style. I grew up inhaling the sweet smell of barbecue all around me. Yep, I'm a snob about barbecue. I make good barbecue, and I know good barbecue. Joining me in this edition of our Summer Fun Series, two other people who know barbecue. Stephen Reichland, journalist, TV host, and prolific author of more than 30 books about barbecue, including the international bestseller, The Barbecue Bible. He's won five James Beard Awards and three Julia Child Awards, and he spends some part of every year barbecuing on Martha's Vineyard. Welcome back, Stephen. Hey, it's nice to be with you, Callie. Oh, it's nice to have you again. Larry Jimerson is the owner of Larry J's Barbecue Cafe in Boston Seaport District. This is the second iteration of his barbecue restaurant. The first, Larry's House of Q, opened in 2010 in Chelsea. After more than a decade of manning his barbecue smokers, Jimerson owns one of a handful of dedicated barbecue restaurants in Greater Boston. Hi, Larry. Morning. Nice to be here. Thanks for inviting me. I'm glad to have both of you. I want to start this way with each of you giving me your first memories of barbecue before you were professionals. Stephen, I'll start with you. Oh, boy. Well, I came to the scene relatively uh, late. I was in my 20s. I was in Longview, Texas. We went to a barbecue joint called uh, a Bodacious Barbecue. Uh, and I remember eating brisket brisket that was so tender you could cut it with the side of a fork and so smoky that it felt like sitting around a campfire and came as a revelation. That's right. Texas is known for great brisket. Larry, how about you? Your first memories of barbecue before you became a professional? Well, I was born in um, Arkansas, and so my first memory of barbecue that I can really nailed down is my parents uh, out in the backyard on a probably a 55 gallon drum split in half with the grate in the middle and the charcoal down mm-hmm. there cooking and they're mixing barbecue sauce and it's actually from that that kind of helped me propel my situation to where I'm at today. All right so now Stephen uh Tell my listeners how you got from French literature to becoming a barbecue expert. <laughs> yeah, it was sort of a circuitous route. Uh, at any rate, I, uh, I graduated uh, from Reed College with a degree in French literature. Uh, and while I was doing my research, I came across a medieval cookbook. And it just blew my mind. Here, 700 years ago, people were writing cookbooks. That led me to a research grant from the Thomas J. Watson Fellow, uh, Foundation uh, to study medieval cooking in Europe. 
And that led me to a uh, career in food writing. Uh, and basically, ever since then, I've been invest investigating the intersection of food and history and culture. Well, in no aspect of food do history and culture and anthropology come together more than in barbecue. And uh, when I wrote Barbecue Bible, my first book on the subject, I traveled around the world, uh, visited more than 70 countries on six continents. Uh, and I have discovered that while barbecue is a constant, almost every culture and society grills, we do it differently. And that for me has been uh, the core of my career and an absolutely fascinating study that has kept me writing books, uh, traveling and eating uh, since college. And teaching about uh, barbecue. We'll, we'll get to that a little bit later. I just want to point out that this is the 25th anniversary of the Barbecue Bible. So um, happy 25th uh, anniversary, Stephen, for that, that uh, important work. Thank you very much. It's uh, hard to believe it's been 25 years. 25 years. Uh, Larry, you were doing other work, but always getting compliments for your food. And then you decided, hey, this is what I'm going to do for a living. I'm going to make good barbecue and sell it. Tell us about that transition. Usually I tell everybody that I was sitting on the beach in Jamaica with my wife on vacation. And I was trying to figure out what I want to do with the rest of my life. And corporate America was just not it. It was just driving me insane. Punching the clock for someone else someone else telling me what to do, when to do it, how to do it. And so I just sat there and started thinking about what it is that I do that people don't complain about. And food <laughs> was one of them. And and it was a choice between good hot dogs and then there was barbecue. There was a handful of places, but I decided to go the barbecue route and I've never really looked back. I, I, I think we do a really good job at Larry J's Barbecue Cafe. You mentioned um, Chelsea. I did start out in Chelsea at Larry J's House of Q. It was a huge place, but Chelsea is a still up and coming city. So I downsized and moved to the seaport and it's where I've been ever since. All righty. Now we're going to get down to the nitty gritty of this because um, as a person from Memphis, Tennessee, one, as I've told you, the places where there is a distinctive style of barbecue, I believe the best. In Memphis, we do dry and wet ribs. That's dry with the dry rub. And we also do wet sauced ribs. Pulled pork is also a specialty. We have a tomato-based sauce, sweet with a little heat. Um, and we have more than 100 barbecue joints in Memphis, just really at last count uh, right now as we speak. So that's a whole world of difference than, you know, what I would what I did find when I moved here some years ago. Um, and also have found, as the two of you know better, uh, that people think that barbecue is you just put something on the grill mm. uh, and you might put a hot dog on the grill. <laughs> so let's let's clear that up right now, Larry J. A hot dog on the grill is what? Is that barbecue? Come oh, on, answer. Oh, oh my goodness. <laughs> I Oh, my goodness. It, it is the one thing that drives me crazy every spring. From the newspapers to the news to the weather people talk about Break out your barbecue, get those grills going. It's barbecue season, and all they're doing is talking about grilling, 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 and grilling. Just because you put barbecue sauce on it does not make it barbecue. And it's just, it's such a misnomer that dry, I, I tell you, it, it gives me a headache. I remember this conversation I had when I first opened the place. This lady comes 
And she, usually I mimic her voice, but for today I won't. She just talk about, your ribs are kind of tough. They don't fall off the bone like mine do. And I'm like, well, how do you cook your ribs, ma'am? And she's go, I put them in the oven. I go, but first you boil them, right? And so anything with the density of a bone and you boil it in water and then you put it on some heat, it's going to fall off the bone. And just because you smother it in barbecue sauce does not make it barbecue. Okay, Stephen, jump in. Uh, you're absolutely right. Grilling is a uh, fast, high heat method used for tender foods uh, done in a matter of minutes. May or may not involve uh, smoke. Barbecue is a slow, indirect cooking method used for large, uh, generally tough cuts of meat like brisket, pork shoulder. Uh, the operative word in true barbecue is smoke. Now, I had to chuckle at, uh, at the hot dog story. Uh, on my blog on barbecuebible.com, we actually ran a piece recently on uh, hot dog burnt ends. And one of our recipe developers, a guy named Steve Nestor, also a Bostonian, uh, had the idea to take hot dogs and treat them like you would treat brisket burnt ends. So uh, they were cut up, uh, slathered with barbecue sauce and uh, slow smoked uh, to really infuse a, a hickory smoke flavor and then uh, flash grilled to make them crispy. And I got to tell you, they were pretty amazing. But in general, hot dogs, grilling, uh, brisket, ribs, pork shoulder, barbecue, and never the twain shall meet. Thank you very much. And I just want to emphasize uh, this point. Um, the band Rhett and Link have a song called The Barbecue Song, and they sing about what real barbecue is. People not from the South think barbecue means cook out, and that's something they're wrong about. Barbecue is not a bird. Barbecue is not a grill. Barbecue is meat prepared in a very special way, which varies depending on where you go. That was our review of barbecue. I love those guys making the point for me. <laughs> I just want to get that across because it makes me crazy when I talk to people here about uh, barbecue and they assume they've eaten it or made it. Um, so what's what do you think is the number one special thing? Now, Stephen, you've mentioned smoke. Both of you have actually mentioned smoke, and that is very important. That's the basis of all good barbecue. But aside from smoke, which is essential, what would you say makes barbecue good barbecue? Um, Stephen? Well, for me, it's the layering of flavors, okay? You might start with a rub, which could be as simple as salt and pepper, as is done in Texas, or a little bit more complex with paprika and chili powder, garlic powder, onion powder, which is done in your hometown of Memphis. Uh, yep. <laughs> a second layer of flavor might be a mop sauce or might be a spray with, uh, with vinegar or wine. Third layer of flavor might be that barbecue sauce that you brush on right at the end of cooking and then caramelize directly over high heat. Fourth layer of flavor might be a salsa that you would serve or a chutney. So um, it, it, it's the complexity of flavors that really makes great barbecue, in my opinion. All right. How about you, Larry? So a lot of people base barbecue upon the taste of the sauce, but I, I believe that it comes with the start of the meat. Um, not so particularly the cut of the meat, but 
what you put on it, like uh, was said already that it's the layers of flavor. The, I we, we do dry rub. Um, if you want sauce, it, it's, it's offered to you at the end, but we don't mop it, we don't slop it. We don't put it on it at all. We like people to taste the meat, what we put our hard work into. And once it's rubbed and smoked, then you have a distinct flavor of the profile of the place that you're visiting. The sauce, I make sauce. I don't, I'm not particularly fond of Memphis sauce. Don't, don't hurt me, don't hurt me. Oh, I'm gonna hurt you. Don't hurt you. Oh. Because you have Carolina sauce on your sweet. menu. No, 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 no. And I that Carolina be. sauce is nasty. I am sorry. Move on, Larry. Okay. <laughs> it's not happening. But you have a lot of different sauces that I like. I like your bold sauce, your bold and something sauce. Yeah, te- and, uh, that's our te- yeah. Texas sauce, uh, big yeah. and bold in flavor. Um, like I said, we we make the sauces from around the country. Everything I do has to have flavor and taste. Otherwise, just eating hot, hot sauce, whether it's a hot sauce or a barbecue sauce, has no meaning to me unless it has some type of taste. If you're just tuning in, this is Under the Radar with Callie Crossley. I'm Callie Crossley, and I'm speaking with Larry Jimerson, owner of Larry J's Barbecue Cafe, and Stephen Reichlin, author of The Barbecue Bible. We're talking about an American summertime food favorite, barbecue. Um, now, here's the other thing that, that gets me as well, is, and I don't really quite understand. Um, we've mentioned the other places in the country where barbecue is, was on, not the style of barbecue was not only created but you know they're enthusiastically embraced you know we can go all the way to california as you've mentioned kansas city of course but here in the northeast kind of a slow roll Stephen. you know why is it uh that you think uh barbecue as we have described it correctly um has just been slow to kind of take hold well, you know, it wasn't part of our tradition. I mean, we were a more of a, a seafaring, uh, at least on in coastal New England, a seafaring culture. I I spend part of the year uh, in Miami, Florida, and part of the year in New England. Miami is not a barbecue place either. And you know what? Not every place has to be a barbecue place. I would rather have regional foods that are true to that area and then travel to Texas, travel to Kansas City, travel to Memphis, of course, when I really want uh, great barbecue. That being said, there has been a barbecue renaissance now, and you can find world-class barbecue in virtually every city in the United States and in many cities around the world. Um, One of the things that you do, uh, Stephen, as part of your work is that you do a lot of teaching through your TV shows. I think I first encountered you when you were doing Barbecue University, which you founded, but I just want to give my listeners a taste of of uh, what you do on Project Smoke, which is one of your current things. Here, here's a clip from Project Smoke where you're demonstrating how to barbecue thick pork chops. Now, the next thing you want to do is blot the pork chops dry. Remember, the surface of the meat should be tacky, not wet. That way, the smoke adheres properly. The temperature is 225 degrees. Oil the grill grate. This prevents the pork from sticking. It also cleans your grill grate. I just want to give people a little sample because I think you're very good at making breaking it all down and making it uh, accessible for people who may be intimidated by the various kinds of proteins and vegetables because you have a book about 
um, vegetables as well. So I just wanted to put that in. Now, for you, Larry, um, you describe your shop as a mom-and-pop shop. And um, being out at the seaport, until recently, you were the only uh, barbecue place out there. Uh, now I noticed that um, Andy Husband's Smoke Shop has uh, put another uh, branch of his um, of his restaurant out there in the district. He has one in Harvard Square and one in Kendall Square. Um, but you were you were telling um, my producer that it, it kind of bothered you that around here, even though as Stephen has said, you know, you want to do the regional food. And l- listen, nobody does clam chowder better than you know folks around here in Boston. Um, that there was no sort of barbecue, really good barbecue place in the city. You were one of the first people to do to bring it there. So I took a chance on the seaport because I knew when I went down there what was coming. And it was going to be a vibrant neighborhood that would draw people from all, all around the world. And it's funny that since we've been there, people do literally from all around the world has come and asked about Larry J's Barbecue Cafe because they've heard from it from South Africa to Australia. Um, the, the, the thing about barbecue in the region is, say, uh, I'm, I believe that barbecue is the quintessential Americana food. It, it is the number one thing that people really s- seek out. Uh, they would get in their car and drive 45 minutes to an hour for what they consider good barbecue. And no other food genre pulls such a, uh, a, a vibrant vibe for food. I think what's growing in Boston is the, the college kids who are coming from China, from all around the world, uh, coming and living and staying in Boston. And so they bring their ideas, especially from Memphis, Carolina, Oklahoma. They come to Boston and they want what they had at home. And they and when they find it, then they, they keep seeking it out because it wasn't here before. And now... Like in the seaport, the average age is like 35, 37 for the young people. So they're looking for a good time and and barbecue. You can't have anything better than that. All right. Well, I'm appropriately arrogant about Memphis because I know. Stephen already knows. We're not going to hate on you. I'm not going to hate on you. No, no, no. (laughs) If I may interject, uh, Kelly. Memphis yes. does have the most distinctive style of barbecue uh, in Thank the country, you. and that is the dry rub rib, uh, <laughs> sort of uh, epitomized by the rendezvous. Uh, and because you know, because Kansas City, it's it's a smoked ribs uh, with sauce. The sauce may differ from it's a m- more smoky in Kansas City, more molassesy than what you have in Memphis. But the dry rub rib is, you know, it's, it's really in the uh, iconography of barbecue, the, the Hall of Fame of barbecue, it, it's right up there. I'm telling you. And we also have the Memphis and May World Championship Barbecue Cooking Contest, which is quite prestigious. This year, it was won by a team doing ribs, actually, the Ribdiculous Barbecue, Barbie Crew, they won. Um, but one last thing that uh, causes some discussion, let's say, between those of us who are barbecue enthusiasts, enthusiasts and aficionados and snobs, um, and uh, those of us from Memphis, the rib, if you're doing a pork rib, for me, is correct if it is a baby back. I cannot get baby backs here. Most people do not do baby backs. So I feel very strongly about the baby backs, and it's rare to get them 
up this way. I'm going to let Stephen give me some diplomatic answer about why that is. <laughs> I am personally uh, <laughs> partial to uh, what's known as the St. Louis cut, which is a center cut section of a spare rib uh, that looks and cooks and eats like a baby back, but just has a little bit more flavor, in my opinion, than uh, a baby back. But you know what? You really can't go wrong with either one. And uh, maybe, I knew maybe that's barbit. <laughs> <laughs> barbecue diplomacy coming out. Okay, I knew uh, that's what that was gonna be. But, but I'm very, I'm very glad that Larry. Okay, I'm very glad that Larry said or mentioned earlier that a rib is not supposed to be fall off the bone tender. You know, ribs that supposed to have some chew to it. That is right. why the good Lord gave us teeth. <laughs> All right, Larry, you can weigh in. Okay. Um, I will. I, let me just note before you say anything that I, I believe that Andy Husbands uses a St. Louis rib as well. It's okay. Is that do you use St. Louis rib? I don't know. Well, we yeah, use St. Ahead. Louis. We use the St. Louis cut rib. We use the two two and a half and down. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, to answer your question, it, it's a little more complicated than just. Baby no, it's back. not. <laughs> so, baby back. Go okay. ahead. I, I grew. Hey, Larry, she is tough, man. <laughs> I grew up with the baby back. I and, and trust me when I tell you, in California, it still reigns as king. The cost of Buying it, smoking it, selling it, it's just very complicated. And so I found that people just did not want to spend the money for the baby back rib, whether they will spend it for the St. Louis, because the the St. Louis or even the bigger cuts of ribs mm. is uh, is bigger. So here in Boston, bigger is better as opposed to small. <laughs> Small and fabulous. That's all I will say about that. (laughs) Like I said. Well, that's a practical answer, actually, Larry, because I just have wondered about it, and it just makes me insane because I'm always looking for it. It's when I do it, you know, for my friends, it's always baby back. So, right. um, In my backyard, (laughs) we do baby back. Okay. All right. That's good. All right. I want to wrap up uh, with both of you extolling the virtues of barbecue and encouraging other people to get on in with it and do it right. Um, as we close out this conversation, because it's really important to me, as you can as you can tell, and I'd like to see more of it done right. Um, uh, Larry, go ahead. What would you say? In my backyard is where I started, and so the you could buy a smoker to start with and, and just play around with it. I would say if you're going to invest in one, get a good one and throw away the uh, instruction book that come with it because everything is about uh, trial and error. All right. Thanks, Larry. What would you say, Stephen? Uh, well, um, the first step is to buy the barbecue Bible or watch uh, one of shows <laughs> like the new planet barbecue or uh, project smoke, which you mentioned, but uh, you know, you don't need a lot of fancy equipment, honestly, just sort of um, grasp the concept between direct grilling and indirect grilling. That's, that's really the key. Well, I love this conversation, and I thank both of you for joining me. Thank you for inviting me. I, oh, the I, pleasure is ours. Uh, yeah, I do appreciate your partisanship. Uh, you know, <laughs> people are not partisan about many foods, but okay. 
Larry Jimerson is the owner of Larry J's Barbecue Cafe in Boston Seaport District with more than a decade as a barbecue restaurant owner in Greater Boston. And Stephen Reichlin is the author of more than 30 books about barbecue, including the international bestseller, The Barbecue Bible. He's founder of Barbecue University and host of the PBS series Planet Barbecue and Project Smoke. That's it for this week's edition of Under the Radar with Callie Crossley. We're going out on the Whisker Brothers good old barbecue. Listen to us online at GBH News or wherever you get your podcasts. And follow us on Twitter and Facebook to stay up to date with our programming. Under the Radar with Callie Crossley is a production of GBH produced by Jesse Steinmetz and engineered by Dave Goodman. Our intern is Miriam Hadara. Our theme music is Fish and Chips by We Are Two Saxies, Grace Kelly and Leo P. Listen again on Thursday and see you here at 6 p.m. next Sunday for a new episode. I'm Callie Crossley. Thanks for listening.